Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I'll be honest with you, I'm usually kind of, I'm not quiet on social media, but I don't usually plug into different the latest thing. Um, this is a little bit loud. Can you maybe bring it down just a hair? Uh, I, I, I don't usually plug into the latest issue or whatever, but uh, I, uh, I, I made a comment on social media um, about the march that happened yesterday. Um, and it was, it was, all I said was, was that every person who was marching's mom chose life. That's what I said. Uh, and people didn't really like that. Some people didn't. Um, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to promise you this. Um, one, I'll promise you, uh, to the best of my ability, I'll never lead you astray. I'm going to tell you that. Um, and I'll follow what God wants me to say. But let me say this, too. I'll never, I'll never not, not defend, protect. Uh, he didn't need, God didn't need defending or protecting. But I'll never not tell you the truth. All right? So it's going to offend some of you guys. But that's okay. It offends me too. As a matter of fact, the text itself, if you're not offended, there's probably an issue. If you walk out of here feeling good every time, there's probably an issue. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to not tell you the truth, all right? Um, and I'm going to be that person. Now, I'm not going to be Mr. You know, Geraldo Rivera trying to stir up mess either, all right? I'm not going to do that. But I'm not going to not tell you the truth. Now, let me say this. Um, the issue... Uh, yesterday was, of course, surrounding abortion. Um, do I believe that God can heal those who've had an abortion? Of course. Good Lord, he, 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 you know, he had people all through the scriptures that killed people, all through the scriptures that sinned against God, all through the people in scriptures that screwed up, did the wrong thing. He did all kinds of stuff. You know what he did with all them? He made them whole again. That's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he is. He's the one that makes people whole. All right? That's what he does. But I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't think I'd be a great pastor if I stood by and didn't comment on things that were going on. Now, it was my Facebook page. I didn't invite anybody to comment. They did, but I didn't invite them to comment. Um, but I hopefully, hopefully, when I, the, the way I commented, I just tried to use Scripture. Obviously, is what I do. Because by itself, I'm an idiot. All right? Let's just say that. I'm an idiot. But, but when, I, when I delve into what the Scripture says, that's when, that's when all of a sudden, when I let God speak through me, I become brilliant. Isn't that crazy? You know what I mean? Have you ever noticed that? You're not supposed to notice it too much, okay? <laughs> yeah, I've noticed. You're an absolute fool. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to say that. And I want to say this too. Don't go picking a fight with anybody and don't be that guy on social media. I've told you guys about this already. Don't go doing that. But also, also, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to speak forth what the text says and what God says. Don't be, ever be afraid to do that. All right? And I want you guys to know that. I have a story I want to tell that I've told before. To some people here, but it's a cool story. This is an amazing story. Um, <clears throat> there was a fish that was living in the ocean. All right? This is kind of crazy. Uh, fish was living in the ocean. And this fish, for some crazy reason, this fish would come up to the surface and look around. One day, this fish came up to the surface and looked around and spotted a squirrel 
way up on a tree, way up, it was like rocky, you know, the shore was rocky, and there was a squirrel right there by the tree. And that fish sat there and watched that squirrel. He went underwater, got an auction, came back up, looked around, and he watched that squirrel. And every day, that fish watched that squirrel. He watched that squirrel gather up food and run up and down and jump from limb to limb and all over the place. And he was like, man, that looks like fun. I'd love to do that. How I would love to go and run up and go up in a tree and jump around and, and climb up and down and fight with my buddies and all that kind of stuff. Because here I am. All I have is this ocean. Here I am. That's all I got. But man, that squirrel looks like he has a great time. Gosh, that squirrel looked like he had a great time. So one day he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the shore and I'm going to follow that squirrel. He's going to teach me everything. So he got his nerve up and he was waiting for a huge wave and he was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. I don't know if you guys have ever done that or not, but I, I do it sometimes. It's kind of fun. You get in a little wave, you get ready. Man, a big old wave started crashing. He started going, just swimming. He was swimming like crazy. And all of a sudden that big wave crashed and he jumped and he landed in the water and swam back out, frustrated. He went again and he got on that big old wave, started crashing. He jumped. Whoo! Oh, landed right there, almost, almost to the shore, but didn't quite make it. He was hoping the third time would be the charm. So he waited for a huge wave. I'm talking about massive wave. He saw the biggest wave. I mean, it was massive. He started riding that wave, and he rode it almost all the way in, and he jumped, and he landed on the shore. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I've made it. I've made it. And he started flopping around, trying to get around to the the tree, and he flopped this way and flopped that way. And he laid there on the shore, and he died. That's what happened to the fish that wanted to be a squirrel. You see, God never intended, God never intended the fish to be a squirrel. You see, what God had done is, is God had set boundaries for that fish. He said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a boundary. Your boundary is this. You are going to be in the water and you're going to be a fish. Now, Mr. Fish, let me tell you something. You've got this whole ocean. You've got all of the beautiful things all over the place. You've got everything down here. All of it is yours. And within this boundary, you have complete freedom. You have complete freedom in this boundary. Absolute freedom is yours. You can swim here and swim there and and go all the way down to the deep and come back up and eat things and hang out with your buddies and go to school. Get it? And you know what I'm saying? Hang out. I mean, you have a a great life within those boundaries. But he didn't want that. You see, he thought he wanted to be a squirrel. But what happened was when he tried to be something that God didn't create him to be, when he tried to do something and step outside of the boundaries that God had created, guess what happened to him? He died. And the same thing happens to you and to me. Whenever we go past the boundaries 
that God creates for us. Whenever we go past the boundaries that God creates for us, something inside of us begins to die. It's amazing. When Wendy and I got married, we went to a, a church. It was called Liberty, Liberty Church. It was a fantastic church in Tulsa. One of the first sermons we heard there was about marriage. And one of the first things the guy said is that he and his wife kind of did a contract with one another. All right? And I perked my ears up. I was like, oh, man, what is this contract all about? So they did a contract with one another. Here's what some of the things that were in the contract. I will not go in a car with the opposite sex unless my wife knows about it and approves it. I will not go to lunch, dinner, eat with the opposite sex unless my wife or husband knows about it and approves it. I will not allow the opposite sex, who's not my wife, to come into our home if my wife or husband is not there unless my wife knows about it. I will not, and on and on and on and on. That's the, that's the boundary that they set up. And it's funny because Wendy and I actually did the same thing. We did the same exact thing. A week or so ago, I had, I had lunch with someone, and, and it was that situation. Someone wanted to talk to me. First thing I did when, when that was asked of me, the first thing I did is I called Wendy, and I said, hey, listen, I, I, I have this situation here, and I need to do this. Is it okay with you? And she said, absolutely. It's totally fine. I said, well, I'll be there probably from 12 until 1.30, and I should be done. Okay, no big deal. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, well, he just don't trust her or they just don't trust each other. Yeah, we don't. Not at all. And can I tell you something? You shouldn't trust you too. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. I had a, had a pastor friend of mine. This is a great story. I had a pastor friend of mine who he was talking to his son and they had a filter on their, on their, uh, on their Facebook pages and stuff, websites. And, the, and the, the pastor had a congregation member that came up and he said, Hey, listen, you've talked about this before. He said, you don't trust your kid? Your kid's like 17 years old. You don't trust him? And the pastor looked at him and said, hey, listen, I don't trust my kid's dad. Not just my kid. I don't trust my kid's dad. Hey, listen, God has boundaries for us. He does. God has boundaries set up for us. There's a scripture that you may have never associated with this, but it's found in Psalms. Can we bring that up there? It's Psalms 119, and you've heard this. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It's in Psalm 119, 105, 106. And the next up it says this, I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. And this is the, the psalmist who's writing back to God. He's saying, I will obey your righteous regulations. I will obey your righteous regulations. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What does that mean? Your word is something that lights the direction and the area and the location that I need to go. That's what it means. Your word is a lamp, and as long as your word directs me one way or the other, he says in 106, I will follow it. That's what I'll do. And so the, uh, the thought is, is this, and I don't know if you guys realize this or not, Wendy found this out this summer, but there was mountainous areas where they would travel, and they had nooks and crannies that would go back and forth all throughout the mountain. And let me say something. If you got off the wrong path, you'd die. You'd go straight down. You'd fall down. 
And so what they would do is, is they would carry these torch type things real low. And they literally would walk one step at a time very carefully. That's the setting. A lot of us think when we hear a light up in my path, you think he's got a big old flashlight. Come on, y'all, let's go. They didn't have flashlight nothing, y'all. Torch, walking slowly through. It's not a coincidence, you guys, that the Old Testament says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, and that the New Testament found in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says this. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. You guys know this thing. Do not give the devil a foothold. All right, now, let me say this. Do not give the devil a foothold. And so, if, if you are... If you are choosing not to follow what you know God wants you to do, the text says that you're giving the devil a foothold. The text says that God's word is the light unto my path and the lamp unto my feet. That's what he says. Now let me share something with you guys. I, I have to be really careful around something. I have to be really careful around alcohol. All right, we're going to get real specific today. I don't want you to be confused when you leave. I have to be careful around alcohol. You know why? Because my dad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I will tell you this, and this is not because I'm righteous. Let me just say that. Because I was not righteous in high school, okay? I wasn't. But let me say this. I've never been drunk in my life ever. I didn't say I've never drank in my life. I've never been drunk in my life ever. As a matter of fact, I'll let you know this. You couldn't pay me a million bucks to get drunk, and I mean that every ounce of my being. You couldn't. You couldn't pay me. You could not pay me to do that. Why is that? Well, because I know my history, and I know what God has for me, and I know the direction he wants to take me, and I know that somewhere in my DNA, my jacked-up DNA, I know that there's something within me that leans toward that way. So I guess you could say when I was younger, I looked at my dad and said, I don't know what I want to be, but I don't want to be that. And everyone here who's had an alcoholic father or mother, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I have to be careful around that. I do. And we'll talk about that a little later on. Hey, I want to tell you some things about God's boundaries. The first thing is that it brings true freedom. God's boundaries brings true freedom. Have you ever noticed that whenever, this is so crazy. You ever notice that whenever you get something and it gets kind of old, have you ever noticed that the grass always looks greener on the other side? Have you ever noticed that? I had a friend of mine. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I had, I had lived in, a, in Ohio for three, week, for three years. I wish it was three weeks. It was three years. I can't stand a bunch of Yankees. Anyway, just kidding. Just kidding, kind of, not really. Uh, but uh, listen, I was, uh, I was up in Ohio for three years. And I moved back down to Jackson, Tennessee. Now, I was from Podunk, Tennessee. That's actually a town. It really isn't, but it kind of is with me. I was from Podunk, Tennessee, and I moved out of Tennessee up to Ohio, and I lived in Podunk, Ohio, too. But I moved back to Jackson, Tennessee, and it was a lot of people. There were about 100,000 people in that town. All right? Big schools, everything. The school I went to in Ohio had 237 people in it total, 9th through 12th grade. All right? My school had 1,400, 10th through 12th grade when I moved to Jackson. We went to my dad's friend's house. I'll never forget this. Man, we pulled up in there. That guy had a Maserati. Awesome Maserati. He had this big old huge truck. I mean, it was incredible. We walked into their house. They had all of these things all over the place. 
Their house actually, you opened the doors up and it walked out into this massive pool. It was so awesome. I was going, oh my gosh, man, this is amazing. I mean, and this is kind of crazy, but they had the kind of concrete around it. It was up, upgraded concrete for that time. I don't know. They probably do it normal now. But back in the day, you got two kinds of concrete apparently in the pools. You got the kind of concrete that was cheaper that burned your feet, and you got the kind of con- concrete that wasn't cheaper and didn't burn your feet, all right? So I don't know how they did it, but they had to cool concrete. And it was amazing. It could be 110 degrees, and that concrete just, you know, cools a cucumber. And I went upstairs in this house, and they had all of these things. I mean, ornate. It was kind of crazy. And all I got to thinking is, is this. I got thinking, man, I would love to have this house. Man, I would love to have this house. I would love to have all these things. Whew. Man, this thing's so nice. And I thought about that for weeks and weeks. Man, what do I have to do to get all that? Man, he's rolling up in a Maserati, and I've got a Chevette. I'm not lying. I had a Chevette. Um, and then I went to a minivan. How about that? For I was really popular in the 12th grade. Um, so, so I'm looking at all those things, and I'm going, man, that's so nice. And then something happened that blew me away. I was over at their house one night with my family, and the dad, the dad, and I'm not exaggerating about this, the dad had a stack of mail about that high. I'm not kidding you a bit. It was was a good two-book-high stack. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. My mom says this. My mom says, hey, what is that? What is all that? And he looked at her and he said, these are all the bills for the month. He had to go ahead and get them paid. And so literally we were over there and he sat at the kitchen table with this stack and wrote out check check after check after check after check after check after check after check. And in talking to his wife, my mom found out that even though they were sitting in the center of what they perceived to be glorious joy, they were miserable. They were miserable because they were slave to the debt that they had created. Can I tell you guys something? God's boundaries result in freedom. It's just like that fish I was talking about. That fish has that whole area, the whole area, and he's free to do whatever he wants in the whole area. Now, why would God, why would God not want him to go try to be a squirrel? Because God didn't create him to be a squirrel. And because he knew that the way God created him, if he tried to be a squirrel, that he would die. God's boundaries brings about freedom every day. Every day I drive back and forth and we have cow fields, big, huge cow fields on the right-hand side whenever we're driving. Now, something amazing happens, and this is how we are as humans. Something amazing happens. Those cows will stick their head through the fence and try to chomp as much as possible to get the grass that's right outside the fence. That's always blown me away because the field behind them is absolutely full of grass. But they try to stick their head through and they try to get the grass that's right on the other side. And oftentimes, you guys, we do the same things. I had a friend of mine who actually their cows got out. They live on Highway 29 right there across from Northside Baptist Church, a big white house. Their house goes all the way back to the interstate. All right? 
They do. Their cows got out one time. They were up near the interstate trying to drag those cows back home. And some cows, it took two and three days to get back. Why were they out there doing that? Why were they looking for those cows? Can I tell you why they were looking for those cows? They were looking for those cows because if those cows got up on the interstate, there was going to be a lot of steak dinners all over the road. That's why they were doing it. That's exactly why they were doing it. And I'll never forget because I thought about this when they were doing it. I thought, you know what? That's what God does to us. That's what he does to us. When we get outside of those boundaries, he runs and he grabs us and he starts trying to pull us back. He tries to direct us back to the safety. Hey, can I tell you something? There's true freedom within boundaries. I hate to do budgets. I hate it. I do. Did I mention that? I hate it. I hate budgets. But can I tell you what? When I have a budget done and I have a certain amount of money allotted for certain things, man, I feel freedom in that. I'm like, you know what, God? This is the amount of money I have and I can spend it on anything I want. I can do that. But sometimes what I want to do is, is I said, God, what you're providing for me isn't quite good enough. And so my friend Visa, uh, my friend Visa and MasterCard, they have, they have some awesome things that they're going to try to give me, all right? But can I tell you something? Whenever I have that debt, it weighs me down. And there's no freedom in that. I feel so much more free when I'm operating with inside of God's boundaries for those areas. I do. The next thing I want you guys to know is this, is God's boundaries, I've already said this kind of, but God's boundaries are always for our good. They're always for our good, and they're always good for us. Now, this isn't always clear, because let me be honest with you. Sometimes God's boundaries tick me off. They do. Sometimes God's boundaries make me angry. Sometimes I get frustrated about them, because listen, I deserve to get the new computer that I want. I deserve it. I've worked hard. I go to work every day. I I don't go to work. I kind of work from home now. But I get up and I go upstairs every day and I work in my office and I go out and meet with people and I do what I'm supposed to be doing and I do it every day and doggone it, I deserve it. But can I tell you something? Those boundaries are always good for me. They always are. When my son was little, uh, he he had a, this is so funny because he's got his dad's temper. And so my son was little and I'll never forget this. My son had a, uh, we, what we would do is, is we would, we, it was basically a jail. We basically had a jail. You know, we had those baby gates, all right? We would put those baby gates up. And I don't know if your kids did this, but my son did this. There's baby gates, and he would walk over. He had all, I mean, I'm talking about, we had every toy Fisher Price made in this living room. I mean, it was crazy. But we had these baby gates up. We were like, hey, listen, we, you can go here and you can go here, but everything else is kind of off limits, he would go up to that baby gate and go, he would shake that sucker. He would get so mad and he would pound his hand on that sucker. He'd walk back and he'd play around with something. He'd walk back over and go, he did that over and over and over and over again. And you know what's funny? He would stomp around and pout. He would walk and he was like me. Guys, when I was little, just to let you know the DNA that my son has, when I was little, I was taken to the doctor because I was so mad that I held my breath until I passed out. And my dad took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, next time he does it, take him outside, spray him with a water hose. And that's what my dad did. And that's why I'm scared of water hoses today. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But listen, I would do that. My son would do that. He would get so mad, and he would just go and just throw himself on the floor and start 
kicking around and all that. So he wanted to be outside. He wanted to be outside that gate. It didn't matter that he had all the things that he needed. It didn't matter that he had all these things, and not just all the things he needed, all the things that he needed and some extra stuff that were actually good for him. And he, It was all safe. Everything in that area was safe, but he got outside of that area. It wasn't safe anymore. It wasn't safe anymore. And he would pout, and he would cry, and he would throw and kick himself all around. And it's so funny because we as human beings, we as adults, us prestigious adults, we do the same thing. There's nothing changed between a three-year-old and a 35-year-old. We just pout in different ways. We sulk, get mad. We do the same kind of stuff. But here's the thing. God's boundaries are always for our good. They're always for our good. They're actually very beautiful. They're beautiful boundaries. As a matter of fact, I want you to think about something here. If you were to come to my house when my son was little, if you were to come to my home, and I didn't have any baby gates up, and I didn't have little cushions on the side of the pointed uh, furniture, and I didn't have little locks on the side of my cabinets, and if I just didn't watch my kid, if my kid were walking out and just walked out the door and started walking in the street playing, if you were to come up and see that, if you were to come up and see my son playing out around doing whatever he wanted to do, going nuts, if you were to come up and see that, you'd think I'm a bad parent. You may even call defects. You'd think, you know what you would think? Those parents, they don't care about that kid. Because see, fathers and mothers who care about their kid set boundaries for their kids, for their own good, for their safety, and so that they can thrive in life. And I want you to hear this. God, who loves his kids, sets boundaries and limitations so they can thrive in life. Those things are good for us. The final thing is this. God's boundaries push us toward holiness. They do. God's boundaries push us toward holiness. A lot of us think this. A lot of us think that it's our job to agree with everything that the Bible says. All right? That's not our job. Can I tell you this? Hold on to your seat if you need to. I don't necessarily agree with everything in the text. I don't. I don't necessarily like everything in the scriptures. All right? There's certain things that I would like to do that the text says not to do. And I don't necessarily agree with everything. But can I tell you what my job is? My job is not to agree with everything. It's not. My job is not to agree with everything. My job is to obey everything. That's my job. You see, if, if your kid was little and he were going to go outside, and you said no because there's trucks and stuff going on out there, he's going to disagree with you. She's going to disagree with you. But it's not their job to disagree or agree. That doesn't matter. Your main concern, because you have the bigger picture, you see the bigger thing, your main concern is their protection, their safety, and them thriving. And so your concern is not if they get mad and throw themselves on the ground. Your concern is, is that they obey. That's your concern. If they obey. We give the devil a foothold and he uses those things against us. I want to go through some specific things that we need to set boundaries with. The first thing is our anger. Now, this is all, not an all-encompassing list, but the first thing is our anger. What does God say about angry? Hey, listen, the Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. 
It doesn't say that. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I went to church today, so I'm going to not get angry, you know, when that person pulls out in front of me and just about kills us. I'm going to not get angry about that. The Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. This is what it says. Let's take a look at James chapter 1. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James could have said this. He could have said, Brothers, quick to listen, slow to speak, and don't get angry. He didn't say that. He said slow to be angry because he says it's because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger. You see what God's doing there? He's setting a boundary for you. He's setting a boundary. He said, hey, listen, you can get angry, but don't take it too far. Ephesians says this, Ephesians 4. We've already heard some of this before. It says, be angry and yet do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. I was telling somebody this the other day. The most miserable time in a man's life is when he and his wife have, have started an argument close to bedtime and y'all are arguing. And y'all don't know what I'm going to talk about here. You're arguing and guys, we fall asleep. And two hours later, our wife is still up crying, wanting to choke you out. And at that point, you've lost the argument. It doesn't matter what she was saying. She's right, you're wrong. That's not what God says. That's not what I say, but that's reality. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil a foothold. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you can be angry, but don't sin. Proverbs 16, 32 says this. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit um, than, he, uh, than he who captures a city. If you can rule your spirit, if you can rule your anger, if you'll let God take care of those things, you are more mighty than someone who can conquer a city. That's what the scripture says. He sets these limitations on us. Why? Because he loves us. Because of our good. Hey, let me talk to you about something else. Excessive drinking. I brought up drinking earlier. I told you I've never been drunk in my life. I don't want to be drunk in my life. I just don't. Why not? Well, because I've seen what, my, what, what it does to people, and I've seen my, what my dad, hey, listen, let me say something to you. If any pastor ever tells you that it's wrong to drink, it's not. It, that's a lie. That's not biblical. That is traditional. That is traditional in the South. We're in the bubble down here, all right? Hey, let me just let you guys know something. Y'all hang on to your seats. People outside the South, they'll have a beer or so every once in a while, all right? Let me do something even better than that. You have a beer every once in a while. You know how I know that? Because I've never been to a deacon's house who didn't have a beer in his refrigerator. I haven't. And instead of, listen, instead of us faking it, instead of us pretending like that it's not there, instead of, hey, instead of you having to hide those things when I come over, it's okay. It's okay. It's a freedom thing. Someone once told me this. Someone said, well, I don't drink because there ain't nothing ever come from it. I'm like, well, apparently you've never been stressed out and had a margarita. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, ain't nothing good coming from it. In that moment, something good coming from it, all right? Now, don't have two. Have one, but something good coming from it, all right? Hey, listen, that's not a very popular thing in the South, but you know what it is? It's the truth. I told you earlier, I'm not going to not tell you the truth. If you want to know the truth about it, and I've said this before, and this is not a very popular thing to say either. You see, a lot of people say that the wine that Jesus brought to the wedding, that it was, it was fake, it wasn't fermented, it wasn't the real deal. That's bull. That's not true. 
The whole purpose was, in the, in, back then, you guys, they would bring wine. And what they would do is the servant, that was very prideful. And so they would get the best wine and put it out first. And then as people got a little tipsy, they would start watering down the wine. That's what they would do. They would water down the wine. And so whenever they took the wine to the host, the, the guy of honor, he said, man, these people brought saved the best for last. You know what he was saying? This stuff gets you lit. This is the best, it's the good stuff. That's what he was saying. Now, that's not very popular to say. It would be much better for me to stand up and say, don't ever have a drink ever. And Jesus gave grape juice out. But that's a lie. That's not the truth. That's not in the text. You know what he does say, though? Here's what he says in Ephesians 5.18. He says, and don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless actions. Are you with me? Don't be filled up with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says this, Wine is a mocker, and strong drink a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated, get that, intoxicated, by it is not wise. It's not wise. If you're intoxicated by it, it's not wise. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this right now. If you go past the boundary of drinking alcohol to the point that you are getting high or you're getting intoxicated, you have stepped from no sin to sin. And the text says that it makes you a mocker. And the text says that it leads to certain things. The text says that you are not wise if you do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of us are, 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 are in need. A lot of us are in need of taking ourselves back from that line. And instead of asking how far you can go past the line, instead of being like the cow that's reaching their head outside to see just how far they can go without sinning, a lot of us need to take a more balanced approach in that. I've never been drunk in my life, you guys. You couldn't pay me to get drunk. But I'm going to tell you this. One of the reasons why I started this church is so that we could be real here. And the truth of the matter is, is I got tired of going out somewhere and my wife not having, being able to have a glass of wine. I got tired of that. I got tired of having to hide stuff. I got tired of that stuff. And so I decided I was either going to be real and be a real pastor and teach what the Word says for real, or I was going to just not do it anymore and go do something else. I would rather go do something else than I would to tell you the truth or to tell you what something is socially acceptable, especially here in the South. The truth is, is that God does have boundaries on alcohol. He does. And if you take that boundary one step too far, if you do that, you are sinning. That is sin. And you need to repent of that sin. If you are using that alcohol as a crutch, if every night you have to have a glass of wine, there's an issue. And you need to repent. And you need to do whatever you need to do to get help. That's what you need to do. But to have a beer watching a football game, I'm not going to do it this afternoon with the kids, but it's not, a, it's not a sin at all. And if anybody tells you it is, they're lying. Now, some of you guys may be sitting here thinking, this guy's lost his mind. I've never heard this before. Well, you've never heard it before because people aren't going to be honest with you. See, it's much easier for me to get up and say, don't drink anything. That's, that's, that's much easier. It's much easier. Don't get angry. If you're angry, you're sinning. If you're drinking, you're sinning. Hey, look. 
I've stepped on some of your toes. Let me step on my own toes. Do you know, this is a tribute, do you know the only thing that is associated every time in Scripture when it talks about drinking, do you know what's always paired with that? Gluttony. Gluttony. God has a boundary for our eating. He does. Gluttony. Every time it says, as a matter of fact, let's pull one of those up. Proverbs 23 says this. Do not, do not be a heavy drinker of wine or gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. Gluttony. Overeating. God has a, God has a boundary for that. And that's never, you know, it's always amazed me. It's always amazed, I told somebody this the other day, it's always amazed me that someone would stand in front of you and weigh 380 pounds and tell you that you need to repent from the sin that you have. It's always amazed me. Because the truth of the matter is, is that, see, I didn't have a drug of choice of beer. My drug of choice was a Twinkie. All right? Are you with me? I'm being honest. It's funny, but I'm being dead serious. That was my drug of choice. And if I'm being completely honest with you, it's still a struggle for me every day. I fight it every day. And so a lot of people want to stand up and say, brother, you need to repent of the sin. And then they'll go eat a buffet, right? Look, that's the Baptist motto, right? Jesus, Baptist, and buffets. That's it, man. And we'll sit there and, and we'll overdo and overdo and overdo. Hey, can I tell you a little secret? I have a little psychological background here, both in my head and in experiences. And let me tell you guys something. If you are overeating, if you're eating past where you're miserable, if you're just shoveling in over, can I tell you guys something? You're doing the same thing that the person who's drinking alcohol is doing. You are medicating for something that you need to deal with. It's the truth. And I'm going to tell you the truth. God has boundaries for that. He has boundaries for those things. And there's consequences when you don't face those boundaries. There's consequences. You don't see them all of a sudden, but there's consequences. And eventually, eventually, it's going to catch up with you. And I know that makes some of us feel uncomfortable. I didn't even want to say that. I was like, God, I've got some pounds to lose, man. I can't say that. But the truth of the matter is, is that I wouldn't be being honest if I didn't tell you that because it's the truth. Excess spending. The scripture says that the servant is borrower, is, is, the, the, the borrower is servant to the lender. Excess spending. Going outside of our bounds. Hey, listen, do you guys know something? The number one, the number one thing, the number one thing that breaks marriages up is money. Money. That's it. Money. That's, that's what breaks most marriages up is money. I could go on and on forgiving other people. God has a boundary for that. Now listen, you can forgive someone, and we can, we'll talk about this at some point, but you can forgive someone without being okay with everything. Without, you know, when you forgive somebody, you don't have to go be buddy-buddy. God's not asking you to do that, but he's asking you to forgive someone and to move forward. The scripture says this. It says that if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. You need to forgive others as you've been forgiven. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been forgiven a lot. A whole lot. Look, y'all, I could go on and on and on and on. But the great thing is this. 
the boundaries, the boundaries of God are absolutely beautiful and they're for our good. And you're going to find something. When you operate within those boundaries, you're going to experience freedom. You're going to experience incredible freedom. I can promise you that. The reason I can promise you that is because that's exactly what the text says. That's what it says. Now, don't any of you go home and say, well, Pastor Barry said we can get some beer. Let's go get some beer. Get some pretzels while you're at it. We're getting ready to light one up. No, I didn't say that. What I said is, is that the scripture doesn't say, it doesn't say that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Guys, make sure that you're cognizant of the boundaries that you have. Make sure that you're cognizant of the boundaries that God has set for us. It's important to live between those boundaries. Y'all don't be like that stupid fish that kept looking out and seeing that better over there and seeing it over there and seeing over there and seeing over there and finally tried to go chase that and he ended up dying when he could have had full life if he would have stayed within the boundaries that God set. I don't know where some of you guys are today. I don't know if there's things like, man, I need to stop this or I need to stop that. I'll tell you this. I'll be up here, I'll be up here to pray for you. Now look, just because somebody comes up here doesn't mean I knew they had a drinking problem. No, that's not what it is, all right? <laughs> I bet it's money. It's got to be money. They stay broke. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not that. Don't be like that. The truth of the matter is, is that we're all just a bunch of screwed up people. That's what we are. We're just a bunch of screwed up people with a perfect God. And the more we look to what he says, the more we're going to find freedom in our own lives. And you will live, I want you to get this, you will live in peace. Let me pray for y'all. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that your word teaches me that uh, I can be forgiven and that you constantly are renewing your relationship with me every day, that I can come to you every day and I can feel that freedom that you bring. God, we are in need of freedom and we are in need of peace. God, let us be people, like the scripture says, that absolutely love your boundaries, that love what your word says, that embrace what your word says. Let us be people that love that and operate ourselves in that direction. Lord, let us not be like the Pharisees and be legalistic. Let us not take one little thing and run it out for 10 miles and try to make something something that it's not. But God, let us be open and honest with ourselves and love you enough to make decisions to be free instead of being in bondage. God, never let us be like, never let us be like the fish that was in the water, but all he wanted to do was be a squirrel because you didn't create us to be that. You didn't create us to be people that are constantly pushing those boundaries and going over those boundaries. When we go over those boundaries is when sin enters, just like in the Garden of Eden, Lord. Adam and Eve went over those boundaries and that's where sin, sin entered. God, let us be people that keep your boundaries and embrace them and love them and tell others about them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on down. 
Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.